0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Bradford White Water Heaters. Plumbing pros, when it's time to choose a water heater to install for your next job, whether it's residential or commercial, go with a product that is built to be the best. Go with Bradford White Water Heater. How you heat your water matters. Choose Bradford White. Welcome back to the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing?
1: JP, good Monday morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Um, good weekend? Yeah. How about you? Not too bad. You made it through Saturday night. I was worried about you.
0: Oh, yeah. I had a sleepover with uh, six teenage girls. So um, I was relegated to my bedroom where I was held hostage. I couldn't leave. So it was it was okay. Everything worked out.
1: Yeah. The, the quick phone call and the text we were sending back and forth i i, I was worried my, Sunday morning I got up went and got some breakfast for my wife and I and I was wondering how JP was from the night before so I texted him early and he was like i made it yep yep we survived speaking of making it you're taking off tomorrow with Eric to head to Cleveland and vast parts of the east coast are you excited
0: yeah yeah it uh it'll be fun I'm not a big fan of flying and it's supposed to be like 19 degrees when we take off tomorrow so looking forward to that a little
1: chilly but yeah december in the upper midwest what do you expect
0: yeah well 50 on the weekend
1: so anyway Ooh, i hadn't i hadn't i had not seen that forecast i'm looking forward to it i uh, may be an opportunity to get outside and do some last minute christmas shopping because i need to do some have you finished
0: last minute tim it's like three weeks away <laughs> oh last yeah
1: minute I, it one of those like the, guys you're one of those Christmas-y. guys i yeah, no, I, I don't wait that long, but I do have a few things I need to. I did a little bit this weekend, but I've got to do a little bit next weekend as well. Right on, Tim. Speaking of warm weather, we're, our, our guest is from a lot warmer climate. Kind of jealous. He said, told me earlier that he was playing golf this past weekend.
0: Well, you know, we uh, have a very successful call and conversation with Mike Fisher every Friday. And it's uh, with the Niagara Sports Hub. And uh, we thought it'd be kind of a cool idea to bring in Mr. Niagara. <laughs> no, but he, you know, he is the president of Niagara. Is that right? Carl.
2: Just I am the, I am the executive vice president okay. of Niagara conservation. Actually, it's a family run company. So, uh, yeah, the president and founder was the gentleman that I worked with. And now his son, which is a really good friend of mine, is the one that's uh, taken that title. So me and him are, okay. are are in arms and arms running the company together.
0: And that voice you hear is Carl Wehmeyer, uh, with Niagara. So we thought it'd be cool to bring him on and talk, uh, talk Niagara, talk about some cool things they're doing and the product and the company. And Carl, thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh man, it's it's awesome to be here. I appreciate it. And Really excited. Any
0: relation to Ponce de Leon?
2: Not sure. I know where this is going.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, supposedly he was the founder of the Fountain of Youth in Florida. So um, you look, (laughs) I don't know how old you are, but you look very young. Like I'm
2: 10 years old? Not 10, but, you know, maybe in the teens, yeah. (laughs) He still gets carded when he buys a beer. (laughs) I smoked a lot of cigarettes when I was younger. It stunted my growth a little bit. okay. (laughs)
0: Right on. How, you know, you mentioned a little bit about your, uh, you know, official title, but why don't you take us through how you got to this position and your journey, in, you know, into the company?
2: Yeah, I actually started in my teens. You, met, it's funny you said that. I was eighteen years old and I started working for the company. And uh, the founder, Bill Cutler, uh, he had had the company for about twenty years at that time and was focused primarily on selling to water utilities and electric utilities. So we'd be those guys that would send you like this little kit with the free light bulb mm-hmm. and the shower and the little faucet aerator. I mean, you guys, where you are, you got tons of water. You probably never saw that, but like in LA and like New York city, we'd send millions of these kits out to people. So I started out with Bill and I was just like his little sidekick, right? Like I'm, I'm just out of high school. I'm sitting at his desk and he's making phone calls and I'm sitting there entering all the sample orders in and learning the product. And, you know, that, that's kind of how I cut my teeth. And what happened was he was like one of these old school, you know, boiler room guys. And he'd have two, two phones at his desk. And a lot of times he'd call two people at the same time because he'd figure hey, one of them is not going to pick up. And, and sometimes both people would pick up. So I'd have to grab the phone and basically talk to this person and do the sales. So after a while, the customers were like, I'd rather deal with this kid than this guy. He's a little gruff over here. I'll deal with you. So they started calling me. Yeah. So Bill's like, hey, you're not my sidekick anymore. We want you to be a salesman. And that's kind of how I got into the, the market. And it was just about that time that we started developing toilet technology. Mm-hmm. So it was the perfect opportunity for me to c- cut my teeth like in the proper plumbing channels, working with wholesalers and contractors. And that's really how I got my start.
0: And how long have you been doing this now?
2: Now, I've been doing it for over twenty years. Actually, this will be like my twenty first year, and it's been a wild ride. I mean, when I started, I think we had about six employees and we were doing about that many millions in sales and now we have you know over three hundred employees worldwide and we're you know order over a quarter billion in sales. so it's been a a really wild ride.
1: Well, you mentioned that it's a family owned business. And it's been focused on that water conservation rather than, as I've heard in the past, luxury style. So what is it about the innovation and technology that really drives that company vision?
2: Uh, I Really, for us, we want to have the best available technology. That's always been our mantra. I mean, starting out in the uh, utility business, that was kind of a must, right? Like a utility company is like, hey, if you're going to send out a million showerheads to my database, I don't want any phone calls and complaints. So we looked at that as a challenge and we're like, all right, well, this is gonna be tough. We're gonna go from a, you know, five gallon per minute shower head down to a two-gallon or a one point five gallon, and we can't have any customer complaints. So we really focused on driving the innovation of the technology so that we could, you know, save water, but do that without sacrificing performance. And we realized that really gave us a big edge over the competition because anybody can make a nice looking Shower head or toilet, but one that works, that's another question, right? And we knew that, especially in the contractor customer base, the last thing they want is just like a utility. They don't want people calling them up, hey, you know, this toilet you just put in is clogging or it's leaking or it's running because that's just money out of their pocket and time out of their pocket to go and fix that. So that's really why innovation for us has always been our, our core value because we know that that's a huge value add to our customer base.
0: Now, you are located, we're talking to you, you're in the Fort Worth area, you said. Is that where a lot of the R&D and the assembly and and all that with Niagara Toilets uh, takes place?
2: Actually, a lot of the R&D and development is done uh, in Texas, but also we have an office in New Jersey. That's where we founded the company. So we have a team of engineers in New Jersey and we have some uh, engineering up in Canada. So we have some partners up there that we work with for over 20 years, and and they do a lot of the development there. So between those offices, and then obviously our China-based operation, we really have a a pretty robust system. You know, you really—we've all
1: had challenges over the last 18 months because of COVID. And have those challenges? Because I know you've got a big facility there. Have the last 18 months really challenged you, and created any new insight or reshaped company vision with technology? And if so, how?
2: Yeah, I think challenge is like an understatement. I think it's been like a, it's been a nightmare, actually. (laughs) You know, I think it's been that way for everybody. It's just no one saw that coming. No one saw the COVID wave coming and then no one saw the aftershock. So for us, the first challenge was just getting our, our company aligned virtually and getting everybody working together virtually and then getting everybody back to the office. And then we had all these issues with the supply chain, right? The freight the logistics i mean that that whole whipsaw over in china has created a huge issue for us i mean the freight costs have just gone up like 500% so that's put a lot of pressure on the pricing in the market it's put a lot of pressure on the availability and what it really did is it challenged us to really get serious about making sure that what we were bringing in and what we were offering and what we were developing for the customers was really hitting the mark, right? Because now's not the time where you can just bring in a, a bunch of fluff or ancillary products. You really have what, what you have in inventory now has to be exactly what the customers are looking for. And it's got to be, like I mentioned before, adding a ton of value or else it's just gonna, it's, it's gonna create problems for you. So we we've focused a lot on ramping up and building up inventory on those A-level SKUs for these big projects. And we've also focused more on making sure that everything that we're developing is, you know, really at the top end of the the performance spectrum, nothing uh, commodity or anything that's just kind of checking boxes.
0: Yeah. It's basically honing in on your core competencies that will help the end user. What do you think of that, Tim?
1: Cost benefit analysis. I was waiting for you to throw (laughs) something out there like that. (laughs) Well, well, Talk a little bit about how you go to market and how you, you know, our audience are plumbing contractors. How do you reach those in-market
2: installers? Well, we have a real a really strong uh, network of wholesale channel partners. And actually, one of the things that we did in response to COVID and just all the, uh, you know, uncertainty, we've doubled down on opening those channels up. So we've added a ton more uh, wholesale Uh, partners. But we've also added a lot more uh, of our rep agency partners because these are the guys that are on the ground. They're they're boots on the ground in the the community. They know what the projects are. They can really help support the wholesalers. And we've invested a lot of money with them, marketing dollars, to get out into the field and do counter days and do education and really, really get out there and, and, and promote and Help these contractors get access to this product because not a lot of people know about Niagara necessarily in the in the contractor world. I mean, there's there's a there's there's some brand recognition, but we really think that there's a lot of opportunity for us to really get the word out and get the technology out there. So the wholesale channel partner has been a a huge success for us.
0: What about uh, any any new trends that you guys are seeing? Um, Obviously, you know states like California, West Coast. You know they're always looking at conservation, water conservation. Anything you guys are following that would uh, be interesting for our you listeners? Know, the the
2: the interesting trend that we're seeing, and this is I think a lot of this came from COVID too. And it's funny because you know there's that toilet paper shortage, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody was going crazy and you know stabbing people in the parking lot <laughs> over toilet paper. But they so they came out with they had these uh, smart toilets overseas that were really popular. Mm-hmm. And those have now just taken off in the U.S. And instead of the whole toilet, you know, being a smart toilet, they actually just sell the seats and the attachments. So that's been a huge rising wave of business and uh, changes, like you mentioned, where people are buying these, these toilet seats that have the little bidet sprayer mm-hmm. unit built in. Mm-hmm. They have the heated seat you know, some of them are as fancy as they have like a little blow dryer in there. So we just saw that <laughs> just take off like crazy. So now we're, we're in the lab, like testing five or six different technologies right now, just because a market that was maybe less than a percent of the sales in the sanitary wear is now becoming like 10, 15, 20% of the volume. So I think your listeners are going to see a lot more customers looking for these, you know, either smart toilets or the smart uh, seat attachments. John, we've talked about it.
1: I'm pro bidet.
0: So when you say smart, is it um, actually the possibility of like hooking up to an Alexa device or something like that and just say,
2: you know, Alexa, please wash me, spray my butt. (laughs) I think they call it smart because it's like, you know, they're automated. They got little remotes. It's like you can program. them. like, Hey, make my seat just this warm because Mm -hmm. that's the way I, I like it when it's cold this time in winter. So it's like, Just a little bit of technology. I mean, some of them even have like little air purifiers built into them. Like you sit on the seat and it starts purifying the air. And I mean, it's sometimes you see this happen where it starts in Europe and then heads over here. I think it's it's been a big play over there for so long. Now it's just going like gangbusters over here.
0: you guys do anything with like antimicrobial surfaces, things like that?
2: Yeah, we do, but there's like uh plastic coatings. Like we'll use antimicrobial plastic on some of our shower heads. And then also uh, we used to do it a little bit more on the toilets, but got away from it just because that surface yeah. wipes away so quickly, yeah. especially with the, like the caustic materials people use to wash those bowls. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that lining in those toilet bowls lasts like a couple months and then it's pretty much
1: gone. You mentioned earlier about expanding, working with more, uh, your rep organizations on counter days and stuff like that. Uh, What are some of the other things you're doing? And, And tell us a little bit about the team you've got there in Fort Worth.
2: Yeah. So like I mentioned, we had two offices, actually, the one in New Jersey and the one in Flower Mound. And combined, it's about 70 employees here. And really, majority of those people are all dedicated to sales and marketing. So we've got a pretty robust marketing team led by Jenny Steele, our VP of Marketing. A ton of in-house support. So we use agencies, but we also have a ton of people that can do stuff on the fly and support our customers. we got a lot of awesome customer service people, our operations teams out of there. And then we have a, a pretty large uh, warehouse distribution facility there. And we're actually upgrading that now. We're building a brand new uh, state-of-the-art a facility right down the road. It's about 140,000 square foot, where most of that is going to be warehousing and distribution. So we're making a commitment and doubling down to invest on having more inventory centrally located here in the DFW area. In the past, we've kind of had it spread out between LA, uh, the East Coast, and Dallas. But we're putting a lot more inventory down here just because we're seeing that a ton of the activity is happening in the Sun Belt right now. I mean, a lot of the new construction and uh, larger projects are, are are following the Sun Belt. So, Carl, are, go ahead.
0: Are you guys going to be at the Builders Show, uh, Kitchen and Bath Show?
2: Yeah, and we're excited because we're going to be launching a lot of new products there as well. That's right. I, mean, I, I was kind of—I was going to
0: ask you: Can you let something out of the yeah. bag and tell us on the podcast what <laughs> what you well <laughs> what you might be showing down there?
2: Yeah, no problem. I mean, <laughs> we have a, a whole new line of products, like I said, that we developed for the uh, uh, plumbing wholesale channel. And it's all exclusive to the plumbing wholesalers, uh, so we're really excited about that. But there's there's a good, better, best type line, and like I mentioned before, it's all featuring our technology. So when you when you see our line and you see what we've come to market with, you're going to see something totally different than what exists out there right now. So we're really excited about that. And We think that a lot of uh, wholesalers uh, are going to jump on board, you know, even more than they have in the past, and I think. Uh, as a contractor, you're going to have a lot more options for your customer because in the past with Niagara, we've had a, a pretty short line that was really focused on a, a couple of uh, applications like for multifamily and hospitality and, and residential. But now we're going to have a complete line that includes even some light commercial options and just a bunch of different styles and looks for the, the end user.
0: So you are excited to get back in person? Have you been traveling at all uh, over the last twenty months or so? Or
2: yeah, I've I uh, I have my pilot's license, so I fly oh. myself around a lot. So I kind of uh, I've been bouncing around and trying to keep out in the field, visiting customers, and uh, there have not been as many events as you know, but yeah. we've had a lot of like strategic partnership meetings and dinners, and so it, it's been good. I've been I've been keeping out there.
1: Talked earlier about some trends and just now about some of the things that you guys will be doing with the new lines. What do you see the economy and the building trades industry being like over the next 18.4 months?
2: Well, unfortunately I want to say it's going to be getting better, but I think it's going to, it, it, it's going to stay the same or potentially get a little worse because what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, we're just now fighting off these huge container prices from, from China, uh, you know, and, and anywhere else abroad. They're leveling out a little bit, but now we're seeing massive inflation. We're seeing a ton of increases now in raw materials. Almost every single vendor partner that we have right now internationally and even domestically is, is screaming about increases in material costs because there's such a huge demand still. For material and that, like I mentioned before, that whiplash from COVID, there's such a backlog where people can't catch up that the, the raw material prices are just going sky high. I mean, packaging alone, just liner board is going up like 20, 30 percent. And, and you can imagine all the packaging needed for like a ceramic toilet bowl to get it safely to the end customer's uh, home. You know, it's creating a challenge. So. Specifically, what we're doing to try to mitigate that is we're, you know, like I mentioned before, we're looking at uh, focusing the line and bringing in the products that we know are going to be the fast movers. And we're also looking at different things we're doing in the supply chain to try to mitigate some of those increases, like buying more material uh, up front and warehousing it. Because we have our own manufacturing facilities in China as well. So we're able to mitigate some of that by uh, bringing in more inventory but it's a definitely a challenging time.
0: Yeah, so last year I had a guy come out and did some maintenance on my furnace, forced air furnace and he, he's like I think you got like this year and maybe one more year of life left on this furnace and then probably should look at upgrading or you know getting a new one. And so you know of course we're rolling the dice going into this year and I just worry every day like it's going to be 12 degrees and the furnace is going to go out and I'm going to call you know, my local contract and he's like, well, you're basically shit out of luck because there's no, you know, furnaces in stock. Is it, is it that bad with, you know, your, with, you know, your line of a product? Is it something like if someone's toilet goes out, it, I mean, what's the, what's the lead time on that?
2: Luckily for us, we don't have computer chips and things like yeah. that in our technology. Cause I think that's the big thing you're seeing some of those appliances yeah. and like water eaters and things, anything that's mm-hmm. like electrical that uses conductors and things like that that's where they're having the most mm-hmm. problem for us the, the issue is more of an economic one it's like how much mm-hmm. more can we afford to pay for freight yeah. inflation materials and then warehouse that and and hope that you know the customer is willing to take that price increase so mm-hmm. uh, but like i said we've been lucky we, we've had some really tremendous growth throughout these last few quarters and uh, we have plenty of inventory on hand. I mean, if you go to our warehouse right now, we're almost filled to the brim right now. Okay. We've brought in a ton of inventory because we found some ports in China that had availability and we just moved all our shipments there. So we're actually like trucking product across China right now, trying to find the right port mm-hmm. uh, uh john is
1: this where we get into codes and standards yep yep this is the sneak attack where we're gonna
2: <laughs> let me let, let me get my book out here <laughs> no actually
0: it's the gauntlet we call it the gauntlet of more personal related questions for you Carl. you ready you yeah, think sure. you can pass these questions?
2: no uh sure i'm gonna take a drink of water here <laughs> hold on. no we
0: always ask our guests you know we're interested in what they like to do uh for instance like what do you like to do in your spare time you said you have a pilot's license so you Flying around.
2: I like knit, knitting and oh. petting cats. And-
0: oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Fly,
2: flying down to Mexico <laughs> off and on. Yeah, flying down to Mexico, picking up packages. But no, I think for me, I like, I mentioned you were talking about golf before. I play a lot of golf here just because it's good for, uh, it's good to get out there with clients and yeah. even some of, the, some of their clients. My family is all into golf, so I get to spend time on the course with the kids and the wife. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a real uh, blessing, but. You know, I'm just into all kinds of uh, you know action type stuff. Like I, I fly my plane down to. We have a ranch down here in Fredericksburg, Texas, and we got all kinds of toys down there, and we do a lot of hunting and fishing. And uh, you know, I'm down there filling feet, deer feeders all the time with my dad because we keep them going all year round. And then you know, now in the winter, heading out to the mountains.
0: Yeah, you say you have a pilot's license. Obviously, it's a certain type of plane, or what? It's a single engine. Yeah, so we. Or-
2: uh, yeah, I got a it's single engine and I have my instrument rating too. I have a Cirrus SR-22 for any pilots out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing hauls ass. I mean, I can get <laughs> like from from here to like Houston in like an hour where if I was driving, it'd be like five hours. So, you know, I flew, I flew up to uh, Kansas City. Was it like a week ago to go watch the Cowboys get hammered up there? So that was enjoyable. But, you know, it just opens. It makes the world much smaller. It's like.
0: So what's the range on a, a
2: hours. on a
0: you know a flight before you have to land for fuel? I usually
2: it's my bladder because yeah. I have to piss a lot. <laughs> It's like it's like there's no bathroom. You know you can't really just put on autopilot and go back. So like there you it's go. Usually like a three a and a half hours. T- In
0: air toilet you could come up with. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh.
2: I mean, I could go farther than that, but no, nah, it's you'd be turning yellow after a while.
1: I got gotcha. you. So, so what, what kind of things do you and your family do for vacations? I know you mentioned you're a big snowboarder and you're a golfer. Do you got, do you take a lot of vacations up in Colorado or?
2: Yeah, we like to go to, uh, the islands too. Like the Virgin islands, oh, St. John, yeah. that's like our favorite spot down there. I mean, that's like, uh, heaven on earth down there. It's like all a natural park and. You know, usually you have to like rent like a villa down there. There's not a lot Mm -hmm. of hotels, so we just bang around down there. I'm trying to get them more into the skiing and the snowboarding, but they're they're like you, Tim. They don't like the cold. They're like anti cold. I don't blame them. Figure that out.
1: Sand and water is good for me.
0: Yeah, I was in Breckenridge. That was quite of. uh, My my wife got altitude sickness, so it was was interesting.
2: Yeah, we had that problem too. That's why we're headed to like steamboat this year because it's a little lower altitude there in the.
1: Some. Yeah, so I'm sure that. you listened to our Friday morning conversations with Mike Fisher. Um, growing up, who was your favorite athlete?
2: Uh, wow. I really liked Emmett Smith. Yeah. Cause right. You know, when I was, when they were winning those super bowls, that's when I was like watching them on TV. And I just really like loved how quick he was and how dominant they were, especially with him on the field. So that was, that was one of my favorite athletes. It's funny. Cause like my whole family was Cowboys fans. because I was born in Texas. All my family was here, like on my mom and dad's side. And then we moved up to New Jersey. So I grew up there, but we were all Cowboys fans. And anytime I'd come back here to Texas, it'd be like, you know, everyone watching. Grandma, great-grandma, like yelling and screaming at the TV. So that's like, for me, it was like a big family ordeal. John, was that the way it was in the
1: Mason
0: Brink house with the Bears? Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to look online here. So... <clears throat> about 15 years ago, we took a trip down to the British Virgin islands and we rented sailboats, like 50 foot sailboats and kind of sailed around the, the different islands there. And I, I swear we went to St. John's. Isn't there like a famous bar there? Like on the beach.
2: Yeah. They have one that's like out actually in the ocean. Like it's like a, yeah. it's like this pirates bar. So I've what it's been called to that one. It, yeah. Um, St. John is just more of like, it's like, Real chill. It's all natural and it's all national parks. So there's no like, okay. you, there's no resort there. Like, you don't go to the beach and there's like eight gazillion people there with like uh, umbrellas and like a bar. Like, you go literally, it's like a national park parking lot. Okay. You park and you hike to the beach and it's like real chill. Maybe
0: I'm thinking of St. Croix or I don't
1: know. I'm good with any of them. Yeah,
2: for sure. For all the country fans, that's where Kenny Chesney lives too. He that's his like home base is St. John. So sometimes you're down there and you see him rolling around. Yeah. Well, Zach it's, Brown does something. Is that it.
0: in Mexico? I I don't know. He has a concert somewhere in the in the winter on the beach. Tim, what up? Carl, What's, why don't we start a well, band, I was, I was, Tim, and we ahead. could go play around different <laughs> yeah. southern.
2: I'll be. I'll yeah. I'll follow you guys around. That's cool. Well,
0: can you play an instrument? Can we? <laughs>
1: Can we
2: Yeah, I play guitar. Ah, I, I come got the, come a, on, Acoustic guitar.
1: John, he has a plane. We don't need his guitar. We want his plane. Come <laughs> on. Tim,
0: Tim does sing a mean mist uh, what is it, Bobby McGee?
1: Oh stop I've it. heard that oh, it, it, it.
0: and karaoke once.
1: Yeah, yeah, stop it.
0: He's the guy that says, I'll never do a karaoke song until I get like four drinks in him, and then he's like, I'll do it. Come on, Bobby McGee, play it. <laughs>
1: Anyway. Uh, anyway, you
2: should open the show with that. You should open the show with a clip of him singing. That.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are there are images probably out there on the internet somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm sidetracking. I know you are, I, Carl. I was just going to say, you know, what's one thing people may not know about you?
2: They may not know about me. I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty open book. But uh, well, here's here's an interesting factoid that most people don't realize that I have a. Uh, also, had I had, I got rid of it, but I had citizenship in Saudi Arabia. So, I was like a Saudi Arabian citizen for a, a, a long time. Uh, we had a huge program over there uh, with the government, the Ministry of Water and Electricity. This goes back maybe like 15 years. So, I used to travel back and forth there basically like every every couple months or so. And it got to the point where it got so big over there that I established an office, hired a bunch of employees, and I had to get my, uh, my Saudi citizenship. So I had like one of those little green cards, you mm-hmm. know, that I'd come, come and go. And that was a pretty uh, interesting thing to, to have in your wallet and uh, to travel over there and spend time over there. A lot of time in the desert, and just visiting all those countries over there and I actually even speak a little bit of Arabic as well. How did you like it over there? Uh, I wouldn't use the word like Tim. <laughs> How did I deal with it? I don't know. It, yeah. was, it was, uh, it was rough, man. It's like you go over there and it's a completely different culture. There's no, there's no anything. There's no alcohol. There's no women. There's no entertainment. I mean, you couldn't even, if you're in a restaurant they can't even play music. It was yeah. that strict. Mm-hmm. Like there was this one restaurant I was in. The guy was like playing music and, the, and like the religious police came in and like they were ready to whip this guy. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. Man, this is." So it, it was business was good, but like it was it was a harsh environment yeah. and it was hot. I mean, it was like 125, 30 degrees over there. So you're just like, you know, you're in a suit and you just you just want to die. Mm. You know, you're like, please just get me. Um, and then there's the security issues over there, like the compound mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. lived in, like had a freaking like military vehicles, and you had to go through these like swerve through these things, like in a military checkpoint. Like it, mm-hmm. it was it was the real deal, but it was it was a good experience. I mean, I really liked uh, I really liked dealing with the people over there. They were real friendly, so we got to spend some time with there. And then we, then going to like Dubai and Bahrain and some of these other countries, that was fun. I went to a lot of Formula One races over there. Oh, cool. So that was cool. Oh, but.
1: I like me some F1. Yeah. In fact, they just had the Saudi Arabian uh, Grand Prix this weekend.
2: Yeah, I was watching. It's tied now. This is it. It comes down to the last race there in Abu Dhabi.
1: You just know that Lewis Hamilton's going to win his eighth.
2: I know. Well, it's like we're at the point now where it's like we just want Verstappen to win. Like my dad's like anti-Lewis Hamilton. He's like, you know, it's like watching him win the eighth title. Come on. Yeah, someone I'm else needs a get chance. It.
0: So you never wore a white gown when you were over in Saudi Arabia <laughs> with the.
2: I don't know. I thought of <laughs> I thought about it, but then I was like, I was like, they like if like that would probably really piss them off. I don't you know. What I don't I mean? know. Like, like once they realize it's comfortable, <laughs> once they know. realize.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, because it's like a religious oh, thing. So for me, you. it was like I'm just gonna stay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they really love Americans over there. Contrary yeah, what was, to like when were you last see, over like, there? It's probably like right before COVID. Hmm. But I would, you know, I like I said, I was like almost living there before, and then I kind of backed off once the government programs ended. I spend most of the time now in Dubai. It's a lot more
1: more lot westernized
2: to do business over there, but, but well, Saudi Dubai's definitely become
1: is, much more westernized as,
2: as I recall. Oh man, it's like Disneyland. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it makes Las Vegas is like Kitty world compared to Dubai. Yeah, Dubai That's how is. crazy it is over there.
0: Tim, the name of the bar was Foxy's on the British Virgin Islands. That's the, that's the bar I was at.
2: BVI. I'll have to well, go there. <laughs> I got a Foxy's painting in my bathroom. That's how much I love that.
0: <laughs> From that bar? Yeah. See, yeah. there you go. <laughs> We're full of knowledge
2: on yeah. this show. <laughs> you got to get back down there, man. Yeah,
0: I, I do, actually. It's 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 a good time. Is
1: that going to be our mechanical hub trip, John? Oh.
0: Uh, Talking, yeah we're talking about it somewhere so somewhere yeah. somewhere warm well carl thanks so much for uh jumping on this has uh, been great 35 minutes or so of, of keeping us up to date on niagara and everything uh that you guys are doing if you anybody listening wants to know more about niagara go to niagaraconservation.com is that right
2: if you go to NiagaraCorp okay, that gets you more of our the latest information because we we've kind of shifted our, our branding. We have a uh, a pro website as well, mm-hmm. so I'm going to give you that information. So that, so for the pro, that'll give them you know pro specific uh, content. So let me just pull up, make sure I give you the right address. But this has been great, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, talking to you guys, it's it's been fun. We'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah. You know, we just love to have the Mike Fisher show going. Me and him, you know, crack it up a lot. I always see him at the Cowboys game, so it's always good to, to hear his commentary. So uh, the be- the best way for the for your for your audience is if you go to pro.dot.niagaracorp.com, that'll take you right to the new uh, pro section we have with all the new items that we're launching. And uh, Niagara is spelled N-I-A-G-A-R-A, because mm-hmm. I, I I misspelled that many times myself at the beginning. So <laughs> there, there's actually three A's in there.
1: Well, and hopefully some some of the contractors will be traveling down to Orlando here in a couple, well, about a month and a half for our k show. So yeah. we're looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great to see all you guys there. We're really excited. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more to come from us.
0: Well, thanks so much again, Carl. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll we'll, we'll definitely talk again. This was interesting. So thank you.
2: All right, guys. Appreciate it.